and it was just something organic because I feel like we're gonna change the game. We're gonna bring in a whole new wave of experts and really redefine who people see so that when I'm reading a book, when I'm taking a workshop, when I'm getting my certification, someone like me or someone like any game changer I have, someone like that is in the front of the room. Someone like that is the author of a book. Someone like that is the expert that you're Googling and researching. So, you know, it might seem like a big idea, a big goal, but it's not. It really isn't. It starts with me, it starts with you. And I mean you meaning everybody, right? Hello and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number 70. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology, and fitness nerd. And I'm joined by the head coach of Race Mob and master motivator, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. 55.9 million. That's how many people in the US are running. So just imagine the impact run leaders, experts, and coaches have on an entire industry. But what happens when this group of industry leaders is made up of predominantly the same gender and the same race? What message does it send to others? And what type of community does it attract? Well, these are the questions that our next guest has been asking as we continue our Latin Heritage Month series. We're so excited to welcome Vanessa P. Mitchell. Vanessa has Ecuadorian roots, grew up in New York, and now resides in Philly. When she got involved in endurance sports, she was taken aback by the lack of coaches and industry experts that looked like her and talked like her. And instead of standing by, she's done something amazing about it. She started the Game Changers program, a program that helps underrepresented women get coaching certified and find their footing in this competitive industry. Last year, they welcomed 16 coaches with grants, mentors, and business coaching, and they're about to initiate another 16 this year. On top of that, Vanessa was a spring of energy and is so incredibly passionate. You won't want to miss this conversation. All the show notes can be found online at racemob.com slash podcast, and let's get into this chat. All right, Race Mob crew, we're in for a real treat today. We've got the one and only Vanessa C. Peralta Mitchell, or as she's better known, VCPM, on the Race Mob podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Vanessa. Thank you so much, Kevin. So happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to welcome you, especially this month, especially as we celebrate Latinx Heritage Month. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your origin story. I always got to start with my parents. My parents came here from Ecuador. I was born and raised in Hackensack, New Jersey, and eventually now I'm here near Philadelphia. But in terms of like running, you know, I really didn't start running until like an adult. It was really after our first child was born that I started running, but it's kind of not your traditional way of how I, you know, got into running. I would say that I was watching a documentary with my mom and it was about women in sports. And it really covered a whole plethora of, of sports. But one of the things that they touched upon was running and marathons and how, you know, KV Switzer was the first woman to register for the Boston Marathon and to cross that finish line. But like someone was, the race director actually, was physically trying to get her out of the race, right? Which we're all very familiar with the story, I'm sure. But for me at that time, this was like 16 years ago. I've been running for 16 years. And to me, my mind was blown. Like, I can't believe women were treated so unfairly in the world of sports and that they had to work so hard to fight for equality. And here I am, you know, at that time, probably like what, my mid-20s or something, really unaware of the opportunity I had just to, you know, register for a race. 
And so, like I said, they covered a plethora of sports, and it wasn't like I was going to pick up a basketball and join WNBA <laughs> or you know, join the women's soccer team, although those are two sports I did play. But wow. I will say all of a sudden, even though I had no connection to running, that day I made a promise to myself, and those are the most important promises we can keep. It, I made a promise to myself that day that I was going to run a marathon. And let me tell you guys, I had no idea what I, how I was going to achieve that goal. Like, I literally knew no one in my circle, no one, my friends, no family, no one I knew was a runner. But I just became my goal. It was the least that I could do to pay homage to the women before me, the true trailblazers before me. It was the least I can do to pay homage for everything they fought for, you know, my right, all women's rights, just to simply be able to be treated equally. And so, yeah, that day I, I made that that conscious decision to do that. I will say it took me many, many years to achieve that goal, but I did it. And But that was the day that changed it all, was just by simply watching that documentary. Vanessa, take us to that very first race, let alone not be pre-marathon. So, you know, how did that journey? Yeah, you know what? I was so green to running that the very first race I signed up for was a 10K. So I totally bypassed the whole, like, you know, you can do a 5K, you know, test the water. No, I was like, oh, no, we're going to do a 10K. And I literally remember throwing on some, like, Adidas sweats, my husband's, you know, red hoodie pullover, and he took me to the local track. And our oldest um, son was, like, you know, a couple months old. And I ran a couple laps around the track. You know, it was very, like, you know, traditional gravel-type track and local high school and yeah, I thought I was in it. You know, I got my sneakers on, sneakers that were probably like way too old to even be getting any type of miles in. And I just kind of ran here and there. And I showed up to that 10K race. It was uh, like a run the bridge challenge. So I think it was from like Camden to Philly or something like that. Um, you know, 6.2 miles. I had no idea, guys. I had no idea. Showed up to that race that day, completely undertrained, you know, probably dehydrated, you know, by myself. And I ran it, but I will say, you know, I barely ran it because it was like <laughs> people of all ages passing me. I mean, my knees were shot because I wasn't trained for that type of mileage. But in my heart, I was like, no, I'm going to finish this. Like I said, I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. I don't even know. I don't think there was even a medal. You know, back then, races really didn't, weren't big mm-hmm. on medals. Um, so it was just a feeling of accomplishment, right? That there I was years before saying I was going to run a marathon. Here I am years later starting that journey. And it felt like, okay, you know, this was hard, but this is doable. And if this is where my starting line is, then imagine how far I can go. So I did come home super excited, but super hurt. I couldn't walk for a couple of days, <laughs> but it really did, did not deter me from wanting to achieve that bigger goal, wanting to complete 26.2 miles. Again, still no idea how I was going to do it, but even more so determined and the fact that feeling like I could. That's beautiful. And I think we all remember kind of our first race, the adrenaline rush, the you know the thrill of having so many people at that starting line and the feeling of accomplishment of crossing that first finish line. So you just brought all those feelings back for me personally when you told that story. It's incredible. Talk to us a little bit about 
training, and especially with training with with young kids in the house. Probably some tips that that I might need to get here <laughs> in a couple of months. Yeah, right. Well, so I didn't train with anyone for that first race, but my first marathon, which was you know a couple of races after that, I did train with them. So it was a local group, and we met you know every Saturday for a long run, and then they gave you training plans so that during the week you can you know train on your own. But they brought in different experts, you know, to talk to us about different things, whether, whether it was like a form or stretching or, you know, nutrition. But as far as training with, you know, we only had one child at the time. I kind of put him in a stroller. Again, very green to this space. Didn't even have a jogger. I just kind of threw him in a, this four-wheeled stroller. Poor kid, you know, was like, mom, is this, this is probably not okay. But, you know, as long as I brought snacks, he was all good. But it, it definitely was, you know, it was a balancing act, you know, full-time job, obviously things at home, my own personal goals with running. It was a lot. Like sometimes I would just cook dinner and then literally run while my husband and son ate dinner so they can come back and then put him to bed. So things like that. But it it didn't feel like it was a sacrifice or anything like that. It just felt I was just very tunnel vision. I have a goal. What do I need to do every day to achieve that goal? And so my husband was very supportive as well. I would say that was a big factor. But yeah, that that was my training. It consisted of running solo during the week and then running with the group on the weekend. And I really made some long, long, lifelong friends, actually. Two of the women I was training with, I ended up running the, the marathon, my first marathon with them. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Having having that kind of accountability group and, and people that are uh, going to, that's going to force you to do some of those individual runs because you don't want to show up Saturday and, and be completely gassed. So that's fantastic. And what was the first marathon that you ran? Philadelphia Marathon. Oh, great. Yeah. Wow. How, how is that marathon? Talk to us about it. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I'm not from Philly. You know, my original goal that day and watching the documentary, my original goal was the New York Marathon, but I ended up moving down here. So I gave myself the grace of like, you know, it's okay to change your goal. And Philadelphia became my first marathon. I will say that I did eventually do New York. So great. another story. We'll about but, that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Philadelphia Marathon, it's just, there's a real soul to the city and the people that come out to support the runners, they just feel very, um, it just feels, it's not my home, but it feels very home-based, if that makes sense. And the runners just feel very community-driven and, you know, the signs, the yelling, I mean, I know that it sounds very similar to other races, but I don't know, there was something not being from this city, yet feeling that the People were there for you. I don't know. There's something about that. It felt very, I don't know, very special. And maybe because it was my first. I, I will say when you run Philly and you hit Maniac, I call it Sin City, personally. You know, the Maniac, they had the brownies. I mean, they had some nice sliced oranges, but they had the beer. They had the shots. I mean, you're running a marathon and people are like asking you, like, you want this beer? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we do have some experience with running and you stop. That's a whole other conversation. So, on the course, on the course. <laughs> and just seriously, that's a whole different type of fuel. So, I, was, uh, I call it Sin City and it was just awesome. So, it was uh, definitely uh, a race to remember because back then they allowed your family or friends to come on the course. Do you guys remember those days? I don't know if you guys have been running that long. <laughs> so, this is my first marathon and literally I had like a whole group of like friends coming out with signs my parents were there my goddaughter was there my husband my best friends from childhood and the last couple of like meters my husband came out 
Tim's and, and hoodie and all. He's coming out like trying to run with me. His <laughs> Tim's are not even laced. And he's like, babe, you really running? I'm like, yeah, I'm really running. Like, but you know, he was so uh, gracious enough to have me finish the race with who I started with, which was one of those ladies that I had been training with. Her name is Cassandra. So we finished the race holding hands, reaching for the sky because we we know, we knew what we had been through. We knew where we had come from. And looking back, you know, me being Latin and her being a Black woman, it just, I guess it represented so much more, you know what I mean, than us just completing those 26.2 miles. I guess even talking to you guys right now, it was really a reflection of what we represented, right? Like we represented so much more than just Cassandra and Vanessa. We represented two women of color completing what you don't see at least, you know, especially back then, you did not see a lot of, you know, long distance runners, women of color, and we're doing it together, you know? So it was a beautiful moment. And I, honestly, I, I will I will never forget it. Vanessa, at that time, what was your take on the friendliness and um, openness of the running? You know, I like to think of the running community in the same aspect of when I think of circles. And this makes sense in a second. So Every time you join a run group, do you notice how like circles are formed naturally? Have you ever mm-hmm. noticed that? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I found myself then, and even sometimes now when I'm joining a new group, I find myself sometimes outside of that circle, physically outside that circle when I am one of few or one of one. And I did feel that 16 years ago in terms of the inclusion of people that might look different. And now, not to say that people weren't friendly and nice. I think, you know, people have their comfort zones. And when someone new comes in, I did find myself a lot of times outside of that circle. And I will say another indirect feeling of maybe being a little bit different is I really noticed that a lot of the experts that were brought in to teach us, people we're supposed to learn from, were predominantly of the same gender and the same race. And none of them look like me. And That's not to say that there was anything wrong with that, but it really set the tone of who I even saw as leaders and experts in the industry, who I was getting my information from, who I was getting the, the, you know, the green light for, yes, you know, you are a runner and, you know, you've completed this course and you have this, you know, knowledge now. So an indirect way, right, Coach B, it was kind of showing me that this expert space were for people that don't look like me. And Kevin and I, thank you for sharing that, Vanessa. Kevin and I have used this example. Now, going back to your first day, going from maybe elementary school to uh, middle school or your first day in in college, your first day in a new job, and how open and how welcoming is that new group? And putting yourself, you know, being a a community leader in the running, as a running group, when you have people that are new to the area or new to your running club, just to step out of your comfort zone and to make someone feel welcome, regardless on if they've run, if they're going from couch to 5k or if they've qualified for Boston, that just going up and, and looking somebody in the eye and have a genuine, sincere conversation, shaking hands, we're able to do that without, you know, the, the, the pandemic and all that, those concerns, but just being genuinely friendly and interested and listening versus trying to, well, I've done this many races. These are my PRs. No, just sit back and listen and welcome someone into your fitness family. And I think sometimes that can get lost. And, you know, like you said, you know, the the prevalency of social media and social groups where people are communicating in person or 
online, sometimes those bonds and those clicks, those bubbles get a little bit deeper. But when you have people, especially now, because during the pandemic, people have the opportunity to explore and find out about running and hiking. And we feel and we're seeing a, a, a boom to a certain degree of people being more curious and interested. So it's important for those running communities, smaller groups, larger groups to be open when you're welcoming new people into your running community. Very critical. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And to your other point, I mean, I think, you know, we do have to be more conscious about helping create more diversity amongst our coaches in the running community. I know, Coach B, you're part of a group with Matt Fitzgerald that I'm helping advise as well, the Coaches of Color initiative that we'll be launching here pretty soon. And we've talked to a lot of different leaders across you know, our sport, including the president of the RRCA, who has, has really talked about how we need to be more conscious about diversity in our sport. Because if you just let it naturally uh, go without without conscious thought, you are probably excluding a large portion of the population just because of who has been in there incumbently. So I love that you talked about that, I think, openly. You know, do, are, do we, are we setting enough examples? Are we creating enough role models? Are we creating enough experts in the field from different different genders, obviously, different demographics, different, different people across the board? I think that only when we do that will we be able to welcome more people across the board into our sport. So great that you brought that up. It's really important. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, the movement that you've created. You know, I think we, again, got connected through Jasmine Sanchez, and we know that you have a very powerful message. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about vcpm.com and your website and, you know, the initiatives that you've created. Yeah, of course. So my business is called VCPM Inc. And it's a business dedicated to using the power of the pavement to empower women to live a life without limits. And one of the ways I do that is through our Game Changers program. What that does, it aims to bring in more women of color as certified run coaches so we can really redefine who people see as industry experts. A lot of what we just kind of talked about right now. So I would say that this first started as a simple idea you know, um, being in my certification course, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I was one of two people of color and the other person was a man of color. And it was just like a little seed in my head in terms of like recognizing, you know, when you walk into there, because back then, right now the courses are online, they're going to be going in person again. I think a few have started, but back then it was all in person, you know? And so when I walked into the room, I definitely recognized that. And so I got my certification and I really realized like every quote unquote room I was walking into in this expert space, I was the only person of color. And so I was getting different opportunities, you know, as a certified run coach. And I realized that I wanted to venture out on my own and do something. So I was creating the all women's run panel. It was going to be five female certified run coaches, but I was really adamant about them being, you know, you know, women of color. And I really had a hard, this was an in-person event. I really had a hard time finding certified run coaches. There were women who I thought were certified run coaches, but they were just, you know, they knew what they were doing and they knew how to do it. And so they would just share advice and, and tips and stuff with other women, but they weren't certified, which is fine, you know, but I, you know, I'm going to have an expert panel. I wanted them all to have like a certification. And so like, okay, like another little seed, like, okay, I really can't find anybody. So I ended up with a um, diverse panel as much as I could, but definitely all women. I had everything in place. I had vendors. I was going to be a sports 
profiting, a shoe giveaway, you know, we're going to do a group run, group warm up, everything, you name it. And two weeks before the event was to take place, you guys know what happened, the world shut down, the pandemic. And so everything was canceled. And of course, you know, this this was the right thing to do. But I was like, okay, like, you know, just like everyone else, you know, you you kind of throw your hands up and you take a step back and you, you know, figure out what you're going to do next. And I will say during that time is when I realized that I could take my all women's run panel and make it virtual. And so in doing so, I realized that, you know what, if I'm not finding these women of color certified run coaches, what can I do about it? Is there something I can do about it? You know, what is it that I can do to propel this change? And I realized that I could fund them myself. Mind you, I don't got no extra bank. I don't know about y'all, but I don't got no extra bank anywhere (laughs) to fund certifications that are a couple hundred dollars each. So I used my all women's run panel event and I really presented it like in a way that people are getting run experts at their fingertips while paying it forward for future run coaches. And so I used a part of the registration to fund five women of color. And that was my goal at first. I just was like, I'm going to fund five women and, you know, that's going to be my impact. Lo and behold, I talked to a company and she was like, the business owner was like, you know what? I'm going to match your five. And boom, all of a sudden I can fund 10. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So, you know, I've been running. This was just last year. At that point, I've been running about 15 years. This year will be my 16th. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just reached out to people in my network. Um, and before I knew it, that five went to 10, then to 11, then to 12. And then, you know, at that point too, one of my first steps that I did, I should say, is I did reach out to RRCA and I said, hey, this is important. This is the mission and we need to do something about it. And they're like, Vanessa, we're on board with your mission. We're going to hold these spots for you because access is a big, a big barrier. So they're holding me these spots. And at first I thought I could fill five. I went up to 12 and then I got another funder saying, um, well, how much do you need to fill the full 15 spots? And I was like, oh, I need X, Y, and Z. I was like, all right, you know, we'll cover the, that oh. gap. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so all of a sudden we could do 15. And then my amazing run friends all joined forces from New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And they together pulled enough funds together to fully fund six, the 16th woman. And I went back to RRCA. So I know you're holding 15, but I need 16. And they're like, you got it. And all of a oh, sudden I was able to yeah. fund 16 game changers and the program's called game changers. And it was just something organic because I feel like we're going to change the game. We're going to bring in a whole new wave of experts and really redefine who people see so that when I'm reading a book, when I'm taking a workshop, when I'm getting my certification, someone like me or someone like any game changer I have, someone like that is in the front of the room. Someone like that is the author of a book. Someone like that is the expert that you're Googling and researching. So, you know, it might seem like a big idea, a big goal, but it's not. It really isn't. It starts with me. It starts with you. And I mean you meaning everybody, right? This goal isn't going to be achieved just by those who are in the program. It takes brands. It takes companies. It takes fellows like Coach B and Kevin Chang. You know what I mean? We all play a part in it. And so I went from that small goal to this, you know, 16 game changers. And it's really grown into a full program where the three main components are the funding of, of these women, mentorship by fellow women of color coaches, and then a business strategist, because we've learned that it's not enough to provide funding for someone. 
right? You don't want to just bring them to the starting line, right? You want to see them through to a full successful journey. And business strategy, a lot of people don't realize is important because you have this certification and you're all gun ho and you're happy and you're excited, but it's like, okay, now what? What are you going to do with it? You're going to do a business, a side hustle. You're just trying to help your community. And so we bring a business strategist in to help them with that structure. So those are the three main components of my program. And that's where it is Right now, I will say one big thing if I can just share. I really felt that at the beginning of this, it was very simple. I just wanted to fund women. And then that grew into, you know, run coaching isn't just about run coaching. I feel like these women are community leaders. They're health advocates. They are examples to the next generation of, you know, runners and people of color coming into the sport. And then even throughout this last year, I really even taken that even bigger because I read this book. <laughs> it was a, a book about Brene Brown. I know it's a Brene Brown book. I can't remember the name of the book, but a simple line in that book and towards the beginning talks about her husband asked, what do you want to do? What's your next step? What's your next move? And she's like, you know what? I want to have a global conversation. And, and her specific topic was more centered around, I think, of, of like uh, shame and, and figuring and how to talk through that. But her answer to her husband to have a global conversation blew my mind. Who thinks like that? You know what I mean? Like, who thinks that I'm going to have or start a global conversation? Most of the time, we have our head down and we're trying to check off our to-do list. And that really expanded my mind to go from this little seed to these couple of certifications to these different roles to like industry impact. And that's why I say we're here to redefine the industry because imagine what you can achieve when you are thinking at that level. If you're thinking she's going to have a global conversation, I salute that. And at the same time, I'm going to reflect that because it's in me. It's in you, Kevin. It's in you, Coach B. Like we all have that capacity to think like that so if we can start thinking like that and act like that we're gonna be about that right and that's what the whole program is about is for to give these women not only a starting line but a successful journey and in a way to like i keep saying just to redefine an entire industry if you like our podcast then sign up for our newsletter where we give you weekly tips on how to run your best race and have fun in the process just go to racemob.com and sign up today Wonderful. Incredibly profound. So can we share some where we stand with some of the people who've gone through the uh, certification and are making their impact and being mentored and in apprenticeships and things along those lines? Yeah, absolutely. It's really beautiful that, you know, for these first 16 game changers, I was able to get fellow RRCA, one of color certified run coaches. So it really becomes a whole internal community. And, you know, some of the opportunities that our mentors have had have been through getting quoted as experts, cited experts, like on self.com. And we've gotten a mention in Women's Running Magazine. I think it was the spring issue. So just that alone has really been amazing to see women from our group being cited as expert sources. You know, I would say the new game changers coming in. The ones that came in last year, a lot of them are at different levels. So some might see uh, the progression in terms of what organizations or groups they're a part of. 
They're able to be in those DEI conversations. They feel more empowered and confident to talk about their role in their community. Other coaches have had their business already and they're just looking for that certification, but they're more able to kind of paint a picture of what their journey is now, right? They're not just about running and training plans, but they represent much more than that, you know, in terms of women of color and their culture and how they can tie that into what they do as a coach. Other women are a part of the RRCA. And we have one woman who is a club president and she feels more seen, valued, and heard as a black woman in the industry. And we have another woman who started her business while she was in the program. So she has, after she got the RSA certification, she also got her nutritionist certification. So now her program and her company is a combination of running and nutrition, which I think is combination because they go hand in hand. They do. They do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a glimpse of, you know, some of the, the goals and, you know, it's not something, um, in terms of the 16 women, it's only their first year as well. So they're, you know, still trying to figure out different things. But I think at the same time, it's a lot to be applauding. There's a lot to applaud to accomplish in a year, let alone just their intentionality about doing something within the running industry as a, as a woman of color. So that's just a little bit, but yeah. Wonderful. Are there any other organizations, as you look at that certification that you're looking maybe next level to kind of round them out or is RRCA you where you found the best source for running code certification? RRCA is where I got my certification. So it just became kind of like naturally to bring in more women through the organization that I have um, gotten my certification from. I do know there's a bunch of others out there. I can't speak to the best only because I haven't taken other people's certifications. So I don't want to, you know, downplay or anything like sure. that. I will say, you know, RSA is definitely one of the largest and oldest organizations within running. Big fans. Big fans, Kevin and I. Yeah. Okay, cool. So they're very well known and things of that nature. I I do believe, I would like to believe there's other organizations that are at the same caliber that are in the DEI space looking to be more inclusive of who they bring in as coaches because coaches essentially are seen, heard, and valued as experts. And I hope would hope that other organizations are on a similar mission as well. I just love how you had the vision to not only get them certified, but then offer so many services after that certification. I know that we've talked to a number of different coaches who have gone through the RRCA certification. And, and sometimes the question is, okay, now what next? What can I do next? And how do I how do I actually turn this into a business? Coach B, I mean, I know that you were certified for a number of years before starting to take on clients and, and understanding how do you take on more clients? How do you, you know, not trade time for money, but start, you know, building programs, start building businesses and and other things. So I love that you had that vision. What what do you think are some of the the major challenges that that some of these coaches face kind of coming out of certification? What what are some of the things that maybe your your business strategist has helped them through or some of the the, the major things that that you know being part of this program has afforded some of these coaches that may have not had you know some of this coaching? Yeah. I would say the two biggest things are support. And not feeling alone. You know, a lot of times you take a certification and you do get put into like a bigger group in terms of like a Facebook group or like that, which is really helpful. I would say on the flip side of that, it's also can be a little bit intimidating, right? If you want to pose a question to 
thousands of people that you don't know. So that can definitely be a little bit intimidating. But, you know, when you can find a smaller group, a smaller community um, that's supporting you, not only with questions, but through your journey, I think that becomes crucial. So I think that's a, a major part in what the, the program provides. And the mentorship alone, I like to think of it, my mentors can attest to this, but like it's a two-way street. So I think that we are helping the game changers who are coming in, but it's also reigniting and, and refueling the light within current coaches so that they can give back and then they can take something from their mentorship as well. So it becomes like this full circle, right? That we're helping and supporting the women coming in and then we're like refueling and reigniting that flame in current coaches. And so that way it becomes like its own little like oiled machine <laughs> to some extent. Talk to us a little bit about your mom's impact and influence on your life and, and VCPM. Oh, absolutely. So both my parents have played a big role in like who I am from everything to my stubbornness to my, (laughs) you know, my, I can do attitude, pull up my sleeves, work hard and everything in between. But I would say my mom played a crucial role because not that long ago she shared with me. So my mom, just take a step back. My mom came here with my dad um, from Ecuador and she came here very uh, goal driven to finish her studies. She put that all aside to raise my older, one of my older brothers and one of my older sisters, and then eventually six of us. So she put her goals, her dreams to finish her studies aside when she came to this country so that she can, you know, be a a wife um, and a mom and to help my dad with his business too, actually. So, you know, so that's like many years ago, right? What, like 40 something years ago, maybe. But just like in the last year or so, she came to this revelation where she realized that um, she never got to fulfill her dreams. She came to this country with so much to hope and desire for, and she never fulfilled those dreams. And it wasn't, it was not a place of regret. It was just a moment of realization but a tearful moment that she was sharing with me. I'm her youngest daughter. And I've seen my mom go through a lot all these years, but it was honestly a courageous moment. Like that level of vulnerability, it was so courageous because what she was doing was she was telling me, and this is before I owned my own business. This is before I even thought about this whole Game Changers, VCPM Inc., all of it. She was telling me that I don't have to wait to fulfill my goals or my dreams I don't have to wait and put my desires on hold. I don't have to shelf anything. Whatever it is that I feel in my heart that I can do, I can accomplish it right now. And in that moment, it's like, without saying it, she was like pouring all her hopes, all her dreams, all her desires into me. You know what I mean? I'm the youngest daughter. Like, And let me tell you just real quick. So my dad owns his own business. So if he was on this side of the spectrum, I was on the opposite. I was the only person in my whole entire family that never worked with my dad because in my mind, business and family just don't go together. And I grew up in that. So to have this moment before I even thought about owning my own business, to have this moment at the foundation of what I was doing, my mom telling me, you don't have to wait to fulfill your hopes and dreams. That baton that she passed me that day, that baton of knowledge and empowerment was crucial to what I do because I was able to take that and literally right run with it. I just didn't know that 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 was happening. I can look back and see it. And that moment, I just felt like I needed to be there for her. And I felt 
it was a very vulnerable moment, but it was just so courageous. How courageous of this woman who's epitome of strength and respect to kind of like um, have this vulnerability to share with her daughter, but in a sense, giving me a message. And I can look back and say like, wow, that that was the turning point that I didn't even realize was happening. But that, that that's the part that my mom played. And then to, to find out when I told her I'm going to start a company and I'm helping women and you know, she was like, she's, she, you know, has a strong belief in God as I do. And she was just like, oh, I pray for you every day. And she's just like, she thinks the whole, the impact is, is a true blessing. And, and I couldn't agree more with her. Fantastic. Fantastic. Now, Vanessa, back to your personal fitness journey. What does running look like for you nowadays? You know, live racing is back, you know, New York Marathon on the horizon. You share with us during an earlier conversation that you completed the New York Marathon. Share with our listeners about that. Yes, absolutely. So the New York Marathon, oh my goodness, is a race of a lifetime. Like <laughs> that was the race I wanted to do. It was like the creme de la creme for me, you know. But you know, like I said, I did Philly first, but it always kept New York on my mind. So I, you know, entered the lotto. Didn't get in that first year. And then when I did get in, I actually was pregnant with our second child. So I had to defer. No, you know, no biggie. Although at the time, I'm like, well, maybe I can run like But no, it was more reasonable. And I deferred. But when I deferred, our second son was born in March. You know, the race was in November. So I basically had him and like started training. And, you know, that year, Superstorm San- uh, Super Sandy happened. Oh, right. And so if you guys remember that year, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's the year they actually didn't cancel the race until, I want to say, like, two days before. And so it was crazy, fellas. Like, I was, because you're still in training mode, but there's, like, this hurricane-type thing happening outside. I literally, so in my home, like, the, this is, you don't laugh at me, but... The living room, the hallway, the kitchen, and the dining room all connect. I literally ran three miles in my home. Oh, I was going to cross that finish line, hurricane or not. Like, let me tell you, like, that was just not plain. And so I ran one of my last training runs in my house because, again, I didn't cancel it till two days. I think it was two days before. So I was devastated. They made absolutely the right call. I mean, that doesn't really take away your, you know, 12, 16 weeks that you're training. So I definitely was devastated. But you know what? It all happens for a reason. And that next year, so technically it was my third time now, right? That next year when it happened, it was November 3rd, 2013. It's my third time trying to get in. And it was my third marathon. And later I found out there's some type of like meaning behind the word three or something. It's like meant to be or I don't know, something (laughs) to that extent. But yeah, it was literally meant to be. And I was able to do it. And it was really was a race of a lifetime. It just felt like I was almost watching myself, you know, like I was watching myself complete this unbelievable goal. And I remember close to mile 21. I don't know if they do this anymore, but you know, when you pass the mile markers, like there's a screen that pops up and like your friends and family can leave you a message. Do they still do that? I don't know if they'll do that. In some races, I saw that in Chicago a couple years ago. Okay. Well, New York definitely did that in 2013. And at mile 21, my husband's message popped up. I had crossed the, and mind you, they don't do this like for every runner because there's thousands upon thousands of runners. 
But yeah, mile 21, my husband's message came up and he's like, yeah, bagel, whatever he said. And I'm like, that's my husband. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it was amazing. My, some of my family came out. Like, I saw them in Brooklyn and then I saw them in New York. And then right at the end, I saw my younger brother and my husband. And I told him, uh, I said, I ran this race, but you made it worth it. Just, you know, be able to share everything with someone. There's something special about that. And you know, to tie it in with the game changer, I think that's why the program is so special because we're able to share it with each other. You're not left alone. You're not there unsupported. You know, with the back to the New York Marathon, yeah, that was to me the epitome of, of, of all races. And I, I loved every every moment of it. It's a bit of a blur, right? <laughs> but um, the moments that I do remember, they're they're irreplaceable. Wonderful. And we sometimes we say, you know, we're chasing finish times or finish line. That was all about the experience. But I'm sure some of our listeners would love to know, what was your finishing time, Vanessa? Well, for the New York Marathon, it wasn't that great. I think it was like, well, relative, right? I'm talking about right. my, own, exactly. my, own, my own journey. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was 4.55. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 So, but nowadays I am still running, you know, live in person racing is back and I've done three, like in the last month, which is not recommended as a coach, right? I would <laughs> recommend that, but yeah, it's been so much fun. I did place in a 10 K wow. around here. I got third overall female. Oh, so congratulations. that was fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, I'm excited. You know, I'm taking, I just did a, half marathon two Sundays ago. So I'm taking time off, giving my heel and my body some rest. And But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to many more races. I think the next one would be the, for me at least, would be the Philadelphia half in November. So yeah, yeah We have a, several athletes that have been uh, in training towards the tail end of this training cycle as we look at fall and winter marathons, namely Chicago, Boston, New York, LA Marathon, from we've and there's been a lot of conversation regarding nu- nutrition and hydration. We'd love to get some of your feedback, Coach Vanessa, on hydration tips and nutrition tips for runners. Yeah, I would say that you have to practice what you're going to do throughout your training. And I would add a third part of that, Coach B, just not like hydration, nutrition, but also I would emphasize your mental game. You know, a lot of people oversee that they think they can go into race day and kind of talk themselves through it because, you know, running is what they, what do they say? 90% mental. So you can't rely on just race day mentality. You know, if you're going to practice hydration and, and nutrition, I would add a third one, which is your mental game from the beginning of your training and map out what that looks like. But as far as nutrition and hydration, I mean, it's very, it's very, it would be very specific, right? Here's a coach. Right. It depends. Yeah. But I would say, you know, you definitely want to, let me see what overall tips can I give? I would say, you know, definitely drink at least an hour before your long run, you know, drink like a full bottle of water, take a couple sips beforehand, get in a breakfast that you're going to practice, right? So whatever practice you're going to, whatever breakfast you're going to eat for your long run, you know, make that your race day breakfast, you know, nothing new on race day. And hydration, I mean, I definitely am no hydration expert. I know you had Jasmine on here, so I'm sure she gave some awesome tips. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say focusing on race week, you don't wait the day before and the day of to drink. It's a whole week process. You don't want to wait to that last day or the, the day of for that. I will say for racing as well, the best day to get sleep is not the day before a race, 
it's the day before that day before. <laughs> so let's say your race is, you know, Sunday. You're not going to get much sleep Saturday. So definitely aim to get the best sleep that Friday. And then another tip would be as far as nutrition. There is a myth that I like to debunk, which is people rely on pasta the night before. I don't. I haven't relied on pasta. I don't know, maybe in (laughs) five years. And I've only gotten, not to say this is a correlation, but I've only gotten faster. So I can't, you know, I can't say not eating pasta has slowed me down, but I eat sweet potatoes. So my chosen carb is sweet potatoes. So I would like to, as far as nutrition, I like to debunk the whole pasta night before (laughs) dinner. And I would definitely encourage people to try something new during your training, right? Because I don't want you to try something new the day of or the day before. But I mean, those are some overall tips. If anyone wants something specific, they of course can reach out to me, but I would be asking you a whole load of questions in terms of getting to know you and, and where you are to give you something more specific. Yeah. Great tips. Nonetheless, thank you for that. Thank you. And as we know, most of the time coaches, you know, the, the most important thing that you can give an athlete is that motivation to get to the starting line, to get to the finish line. And the way that you described New York, I mean, it, it just gave me chills. It just gave me that feeling all over again of running one of these races with a big group of people and the impact that you're having, not just on your athletes, but then paying it forward and realizing that a coach can have so much more impact on athletes. And you just have have made an exponentially significant impact on our community by helping more coaches get certified, more coaches go through training, more coaches get their businesses up and running. And we just have to applaud you for all of the effort, all of the vision, all of the behind the scenes to get all of that started. It's just incredible. And how how can our audience help your game changers? How can they help you? And how can they help this program out? Yes, support is always needed. You know, right now we just brought in our 16 new game changers. We just, they've all been notified, I would say about two weeks ago. They just took their certification this past weekend. So I definitely want to clap it up to them. Wow. We have 16 new women. Yes. So, so support is needed year round. I would say if you are a woman of color certified run coach, reach out to me. We're always looking for men. If you are someone in the community, visit my website, vcpm.com. There is a link there to donate. And I would say if you are a brand or a company or a representative of a business, reach out to me because what we need is a platform. You know, we need a spotlight. Uh, strobe light, highlight, I always say any light you got. But we need that to showcase the importance of women of color coaches. And so if you bring in someone that already has an established platform that can amplify what we're doing and our voices, giving us to more, you know, for us to be seen, heard, and valued, I welcome that conversation. And I welcome that funding as well. VCPM Inc. is a for-profit business. I'm not shy about that. And so it does take um, funds to have a full-blown mentorship program to bring in a qualified business strategist to provide certification alone. I mean, certification is RRCA and we cover the cost of their CPR and first aid certification, which is a requirement to be a certified run coach. So all of this takes money. It, you know, it takes uh, a lot of contracts. So we definitely welcome not only those conversations, but the monetary support 
as well. And then if someone is just wants to support by, you know, applauding what we're doing, they can always, again, visit my website, vcpm.com, sign up for emails, find me on Instagram, VCP. Mitchell with two. But yes, any amplification of what we're doing is is really a big help. And, and I will say too, we have every month on the 16th, we have the female coach lead. That's L-E-A-D, which stands for Leveraging, Educating, Amplifying Diversity. And so what we do is we spotlight a coach every month on the 16th. And it's on the 16th because we have an honor of our 16 game changers. And we just really hone in on that one coach who's a woman of color um, her specialty, right? What's her specialty as a run coach within the industry? And then we showcase her and then we do a short IG live and then people can ask questions and then we do a infographic at the end so people can see all the tips that this one coach has um, shared and they can kind of have to take a snapshot and kind of grab and go. But at the same time, that also um, needs funds because one thing I like to say is if we want to be valued as experts, our coaches should be paid as such. And so that takes funding as well. And again, I'm not shy about any of this. This is the truth, right? Experts are compensated and we, we want to do the same here. So all of that, you know, that's very, a lot of different ways people can support, but they can always reach me directly, Vanessa at bcpm.com. And I can break this all down for them in a nice email. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining us on this podcast. I mean, I think this will probably be the start of hopefully a, a beautiful friendship and partnership and, you know, anything that we can do on the race mob side to help support the game changers, help our athletes or our audience coming through, get connected with the coaches that are coming through your program. I think, you know, we're all for it. Like we said before, I mean, I think we all benefit when we can raise all boats and we can only raise all boats when we are inclusive and make sure that we have a diverse set of experts um, and coaches. So thank you so much for all of your effort, all of the behind the scenes. Really have enjoyed chatting with you this evening. Thank you so much. Yeah, keep up the fantastic work. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity and just for like I was saying in the beginning, a lot of times you're so busy in the work that you don't really talk about it. So this was um really nice for me to kind of share out loud what's going on. So I really appreciate the, the platform that you both have not provided just for me. I know you guys do this for, for tons of other people. So thank you too for the work that you're doing as well. Yeah. Our honor and pleasure, without a doubt. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.